Which I thought that like nor'easter, like with that with the th of north cut out, was like an official storm term. Like it's just very, it's very New England. It's like okay, we've got like the widow out in her balcony, like looking for her long lost <laughs> sailor or whatever, like waiting for him to return. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I keep seeing the memes where it's like, why don't more men get lost at sea anymore? <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. So today we are here to present to you episode 50. Woo, we've done it. <laughs> I don't think that this was our original 50th episode topic. And as I was going into this week and, and thinking about researching, I started thinking like, hmm, maybe we should pick something really special. But then I decided that was too much pressure. And so we're doing spooky storms, like we said we would do last week. <laughs> yeah, we will just have, I know, haven't we said that in like two or three episodes now? Like, oh, next is spooky storms. And then it's not really happened. And that's, have we? I don't know. I think we've been right with all of our, our little end blurbs. We'll see about it. I don't know. It's, it's possible know. not. But either way, <laughs> we're, we're doing here spooky storms. We're excited about it. Everyone else should be excited. We'll have to think of something like super special for episode 100. Yes. So we, we have, have 50 episodes <laughs> to think of it. <laughs> We've got like, that's like two years of episodes. <laughs> We've got time. <laughs> we're just gonna pick something really dumb for episode 100 no this won't this won't be dumb this is just this isn't i don't know it you know what i'm not gonna downplay it it's gonna be great it's It's gonna gonna be be great we're gonna we're gonna talk about storms okay (laughs) but first now that we've talked ourselves into this being special (laughs) hey it's episode 50 this topic sucks no it really doesn't you guys (laughs) i promise I promise I am excited. I have no idea how excited Paige is, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm excited. Yes. We're going to do something spooky now. Paige, you said that we should just do like one of the spookiest storms that we have experienced. Yeah. But first, I want you to tell people about your ghost. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about my ghost, though. Yeah, a couple times. Has have you though? Because I feel like it's escalated. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the same. It's the same thing. I think that's been happening since we moved in. It's just not yeah. stopped. I just can't remember if you talked about the stuff like hearing. Maybe you had in this last couple episodes about like feeling like anymore. someone was walking around upstairs yeah. in the house while you guys were downstairs. Yeah. So yeah, basically, like f- when we first moved in, it was like one of our first couple of weeks. We had heard this like thudding sound and. I remember texting you, Megan, that night and like Mm -hmm. we had been watching something and we like paused the TV and probably for like 30 minutes just like sat downstairs and we would like (laughs) walk to a spot and stop and listen 
and then we'd hear it and we walk to a new spot and stop and listen. And like we walked upstairs and we'd come upstairs, it would be gone. So we'd uh-huh. go back downstairs and and then it like the sound just sort of never stopped. For a while, we thought it may have just been like our duct work uh, expanding oh, and sure. contracting or something. And like, yeah, at one point we thought maybe there was like a critter living somewhere. But like at this point, it's been long enough that like if there was something living <laughs> within our like duct work somewhere, it would probably not be alive anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would imagine since it's been... A year. Actually, I think tomorrow is a year from when we bought oh, our shit. house, which is also kind of spooky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like now it's like we hear the same shit every night. We have no clue where it's coming from. And maybe not every night, but like most nights. Uh, my parents have been here and they heard it. We <gasps> came upstairs and like tried to find it again and we still can't find it. Uh-huh. The dog hears it sometimes. Oh my um, gosh. I don't know. So yeah, well... Importantly, I am going over to Paige's house for the weekend. <laughs> Even though we live in the same city, don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll be like old times. It'll be fun. Yes. <laughs> Spooky science sleepover. <laughs> but uh, so I'm going over to Paige's house for the weekend and I I really want to hear it. I hope that it happens. And I'm also very tempted to like bring some sort of camera set up and try to record your kitchen where you say you feel like the sound is coming from and see if we can like capture the noise at all. Oh, like I point. have stayed downstairs and Elliot has been upstairs and I've told him uh-huh. when I've heard it and he does not hear it up here. It's bizarre. Okay. I mean, I'm all for the camera thing, but I told yeah. you like well, if- you like tried to record it on your phone before because you were like texting us and yeah. saying it's happening and you couldn't get it. Yeah, I just don't think it's loud enough to like for us to be able to cap really capture the sound. Yeah. But but what if we set up the podcast microphone? We could try recording. We could certainly like try. All night. <laughs> um also, I don't know how this is related, but it okay. seems like it is in some way. We were watching Prey the other day, oh. which is the new Predator movie. Um, uh-huh. And it was quite good, but the dog <laughs> jumped up at one point. And I can't make the Predator sound. I don't know if you can. I See, I've never seen the original Predator, much to Steven's dismay. So okay. he hasn't let me watch the new movie yet because he says, you have to say the original first, so... Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> whenever you watch it and hear that sound, uh-huh. the dog turned to us and like, I am not kidding you, made the exact same sound. <laughs> <laughs> so don't know what that was about. hope it never happens again. But yeah. that was also kind of spooky. <laughs> I'll look up a YouTube video of what it sounds like. But yeah. like, all I can picture is, yeah, if I was watching like the Signs movie and all of a sudden Georgie turned around and made like the alien noise. It was I, think I would just like yeet him out of our house. <laughs> it was not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, before we talk about our spooky storm experiences, do you have any something spookies you'd like to share? I do. And mine is much less fun than your ghost. But mine <laughs> is that I finally got COVID a week and a half ago. Womp, so I'm like, womp. yeah, and I'm not bitter about it at all. I'm definitely not pissed that it's because... 
some of you assholes out there can't stay home when you're sick and wear masks. <laughs> I can tell you feel really good about it. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy about it. <laughs> okay. Great. Spooky storms. We're already feeling grim. Um, Paige, what would you say are your spookiest or scariest storms that you have experienced? So I have two. Uh, The first, so I believe we were driving back from Cedar Point and uh, it was just like this really, really nasty thunderstorm. And is this when you guys, is this like with your family and Kevin? Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm telling the story. <laughs> and so we are like the tornado sirens start going off and we're just like in the car on the fucking highway or something. And so we find a Wendy's and we decide to pull over and it was us <laughs> in our car. So it was my parents, myself, my brother, and then my brother's best friend, Kevin. Uh, and then there was another car of some friends of ours as well. And we're all like (laughs) (laughs) panicking trying to get out of the car into this Wendy's before this tornado hits and fucking Kevin (laughs) we have this minivan and he like oh god I need to get like yeah everyone's grabbing like pillows and phones or whatever important things they can grab and our friend kevin grabs he gets like one of those like king size of those big ass lollipops from cedar point and he grabs the lollipop gets out of the van my brother and i are still in the van and he closes the door on us and goes inside of wendy's because clearly the only thing that matters during this storm is protecting the lollipop Uh, this is like classic Ankeny family lore like (laughs) when Kevin prioritized his lollipop and abandoned your entire family to die in a volcano tornado (laughs) so that was my funny storm Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the other one, and this one's like, so there wasn't actually a tornado that hit us that night. Mm -hmm. But when I was going to Albion's, when I was in college, uh, we had a microburst hit. And this was like 2012, 2013, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I think you said you had like experienced a microburst before, or was like at least aware of what they were. I had no idea before I lived through it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd experienced one or if I just like, I don't know. I, I had read about them or something. I don't know. Okay. So I always thought they were like kind of like tornadoes. Um, and they aren't really, but they're basically just mm-hmm. like really, really powerful downdrafts that can produce apparently up to okay. 168 mile per hour winds. Yeah. So like <laughs> well within like hurricane tornado force. Yeah. Winds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, typically they'll occur during a thunderstorm. But what's kind of weird about microbursts is I guess they affect only like really small areas. So like up to, I read up to two and a half miles in diameter. Oh, hence micro. Yeah. In the name. <laughs> 
basically the finger of God coming down to be like, fuck this one area in particular. (laughs) Exactly. And so like, I guess finger of God's what they call tornadoes though. So anyway, go ahead. (laughs) It's like, you know, not storming at all. And then all of a sudden I remember like we had a friend over who's just like taking a nap on the couch. He missed the entire storm. But um, <laughs> it's like we had all the windows open because I was living in a house at that time. And it is like, mm-hmm. you know, sideways raining into the house all of a sudden. So we're all like <laughs> sprinting around trying to get the windows closed. And then it was just like, I mean, in what felt like a matter of minutes, like it was just over, but it had pulled like uprooted trees. I think I had re- read earlier that it was like 50 trees got were downed. Um, wow. And it was like, I mean, they like closed campus, right? Yeah. You, you like went home we got for sent home for like, yeah. I think it was like close to a week because like we had lost all power and a bunch of windows were broken. It like tore roofs off of houses, but it was too weird because it was literally just like campus. And then the downtown areas. And for those of you who aren't aware or like familiar with Albion, downtown is like literally six buildings. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a very small school (laughs) that we both went to. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And like another thing is like, it's a big deal for Albion to close the school. Oh yeah. Like, because it's a, it's a residential college. So everybody has to live on campus, or at least like in the very near vicinity in campus housing, the all four years that they're there. So it's like it could snow like four feet, and they'd be like, "No, nope, nope, you're going. Get your you're going out to your apartments. <laughs> get your boots on. You're going." Yeah, to we class. got some like very <laughs> passive aggressive emails when I was going to school there from the president saying like, "Yes, I know it's cold enough here that you can." Uh, you can get frostbite in only 10 minutes but if you have to take breaks between buildings do it <laughs> or sorry, to take breaks inside of buildings do it and we're just like okay <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even close for like the uh polar vortex yeah, no yeah when it was like minus yeah. 50 degrees i said suck it like, up you're you going to die class. in like 10 minutes nope <laughs> get out there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we uh we all got shirts that said like I survived uh Hurricane Albion and it was like it was like the big thing that happened while I was there. So that's my those are my that's fun awesome. storm stories. Yeah, yours are are more fun. Oh, well. <laughs> well, tell me about yours. Great. So I also have two storm stories. In terms of classic Midwest storms because I wouldn't be a Midwestern girl if I didn't have a few of those. Uh, There was one that hit Sylvania, and I looked this up. I think it was in 2000. We lived in a house that was like within a mile or so of, I think there were like a couple different tornadoes that touched down, and they were small ones, like so only F1 on the scale, which I think goes from like zero to five or something. But... Uh, yeah, that w- I just remember it being a super intense storm. Like it was like before the time when the tornadoes touched down, the sky got like really green in color and everything got really still. And then it was like outside just exploded. <laughs> and it was like one of the only ones where I remember my parents being like, oh, um, we're going to go in the basement <laughs> and like take all the pets and stuff. <laughs> Did you say it actually hit like your house or your neighborhood? 
didn't hit my house, but like it was within like a mile of the house. And then the other one is like on the opposite end of the spectrum and also on the opposite side of the world. Uh, So I did field work in Antarctica, which I think I have talked about before on the show, possibly. I think so. Yeah. But in undergrad, I got to go to Antarctica as like a field assistant. We camped out on the ice for a few weeks, sort of at the base of this, um, this ridge, we were collecting a lot of volcanic rock samples. And towards the end of our, our time there, we had gone, taken the snowmobiles, like up to the saddle between the volcano, which is Mount Discovery and this ridge that we were working on. And the weather was supposed to get bad later that day. So like the plan was to head back pretty early And I'm up there with Nelia, one of the researchers, and like we're alone on sort of this little area that I was supposed to be doing this little focused project on. And we're watching her husband, Bill, and he was with one or two other people. I can't remember the details, but she's watching them come over to where we are on their snowmobiles. And all of a sudden... She's like, oh, my God, Bill just, like, fell off of this, like, (laughs) ice cliff on his snowmobile, and it, like, shattered his foot and and leg, and it was really bad. (gasps) And so she takes our snowmobile and goes over to him, and in that period of time, like, I'm there with, like, the survival bag, myself and I was like 19 years old at the time and by myself like in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica in that time this storm that's been threatening all day rolls in and it's just like I mean there's no vegetation like it's I mean it's all a lot of ice and snow and rock and Mm -hmm. the snow got blowing and like I couldn't see more than a few feet in front of myself and I'm just sitting there like should I set up the tent like what am I supposed to do I like hear oh no (laughs) I hear the rescue helicopter like come and pick Bill up and then leave and I'm like are they coming back for me what's going on (laughs) and then eventually Kurt one of the other researchers finally like drives up to where I am on uh, on his snowmobile and it was like I saw him and was instantly like I'm hugging you <laughs> it was just like I just ran up to him like oh my god like guys we're gonna leave me here <laughs> oh no uh, like I thought I was gonna have to spend a night by myself because I like wasn't sure in the storm if the helicopter was gonna be able to get back to get us because they had like a limited number of pilots yeah. who were qualified to fly in those kinds of conditions and like beneath cloud cover but luckily they did make it back and we like got to go back to Big Murdo Station early and like it was like one of the most terrifying experiences of my life yeah (laughs) that's like a nightmare of mine (laughs) so We're going to jump into spooky storms now. First, I want to just address like why spooky storms? Why did we pick this topic? And first off, like this is sort of a setup for 
next week's episode, which is like a classic spooky mystery that definitely involves some bad weather. So like intrigue for you. (laughs) You'll have to listen to the end to find out what it's going to be. But first, like I mentioned before, we are Midwestern girls. As much as I like tried to fight against it for lots of years, I can confidently classify myself as that now. And I don't know how you feel, but I like definitely feel like you can't grow up in the Midwest without having like some sort of morbid fascination with thunderstorms and tornadoes. Oh yeah, they're like equally exciting and right. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And like time. we've probably all <laughs> seen the memes of like the Midwest dad like telling the family to go in the basement and then standing on the front porch to watch the storm roll in. Or there's that picture of the guy like mowing his lawn with the giant tornado in the background. Yeah. Well, and like who I mean, yeah. I, I've done it. Yeah. I'm sure you've done it. It's yeah. like every single time that I do a severe weather training at work, I feel the need to tell people like, while you are at work, at least pretend that you are not Midwesterners if there's <laughs> yeah. a tornado warning. Like, I know you want to go outside, but you cannot. <laughs> I know you want to be here. a lucky Lou, but don't do it. Um, yeah. But like, I have a ton of memories of watching big storms roll through and like being able to hear the tornado sirens going off. And in my 30, almost 35 years of life, I could probably count on like one hand the times that I've actually gone to like shelter in the basement. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, I've never like officially lived in like the tornado alley part of the Midwest. Like I've lived far enough north where tornadoes are still a relatively rare occurrence, but they do happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So then sort of our third reason is like the oceans episode or the volcanoes episode, nature is just really scary sometimes. And we're going to talk about that. My other point in our little setup here is in researching for this episode, I also came across an article about a ghost hunter claiming that thunderstorms induce or enhance paranormal activity. Because, of course, they do. (laughs) It was some bullshit. (laughs) Because why not? It was some bullshit about, like, they stir up energy in the atmosphere. So, like, apparently that makes the ghost antsy. And I was like, well, if I had to quickly debunk this, I would just say humans probably just have, like, an innate fear of bad weather and storms. Because for centuries and centuries, no one wants to get caught outside in a bad thunderstorm. So, like, you'd go and take shelter, and it would make sense that you'd sort of have this, like, natural feeling of, like, being uneasy when the weather is bad. And there's, like, flashing lights and booming thunder. So, it's like, I bet you're a little bit jumpy, and it might be a little easier to convince yourself that, like, there's also something a little unnatural happening or some might say supernatural (laughs) it's more like it stirs up your energy and makes you antsy (laughs) (laughs) exactly you get it (laughs) (laughs) greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you 
The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yes. So now we're going to talk about some specific storms that came to our minds when we were, were looking up stuff for this. And I like really thought that I would end up with a tornado story and like, surprise, surprise, I did not. So I'm shocked, but I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a single tornado story not. in here, which is sort of weird for me. I don't what know. I thought for sure, but then I got excited about other stuff. So sorry if you really love tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The one that came to mind for me is hurricane Katrina. And I think mainly because I have like this weird, like personal association with it. Like, did I live anywhere near New Orleans at the time that it happened? Absolutely not. But I have very clear memories of when it happened because it was my first couple weeks of college. And when reports started coming in about how bad it was and the conditions in New Orleans, my geology 101 teacher at the time, so I was just like a baby geologist at the time, did this, (laughs) yes, like interrupted our normal schedule to do this whole lecture explaining what was going on in New Orleans and like what played a role in making the flooding and like the effects of the storm so bad. And he was basically like, this is a big deal. And like, we should talk about it because, you know, there were big things going on with like geoengineering and stuff that had happened in the city over the years. I have like zero. I mean, obviously I know what happened and like, I'm aware of like what happened and a lot of the aftermath of it, but like zero memory of like when it actually happened. Like I, I knew it was early two thousands, but like (laughs) I could not have told you like what grade I was in, what I was doing. Like she would have been going on 13 years old at the time. So like, yeah, I was just doing your own, own shit at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like sort of fun. I just like all of these like big events. I I had like totally wrong memories of like oh, 9-11. And, like I had myself, I was like convinced I was in sixth grade yeah. for years. And then I started doing the math and I was like, wait, no, I wasn't. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So yeah, anyways, I just, just it's just weird. like I don't another have, like, much memory of this. Example of how people's memories are like easily false and manipulated. Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole other rabbit hole for true crime and for calling events. Okay. So, so there was that. So like, I remember him like specifically, you know, interrupting our normal schedule to do that. And then in the spring of my freshman year, so this would have been March of 2006, I went on the yearly regional geology trip, which went down to New Orleans. So this was like not very long after Katrina had happened. It was just like a really surreal experience. We drove through a lot of the most heavily damaged areas like, you know, sort of the infamous Ninth Ward. 
And I just, like, I remember being so unsettling. And in particular, I remember that each building had this X spray painted on it, which got spray painted on by search and rescue crews. And each quadrant, like, created by the X indicated what they found inside. And so I had to look this up again to remember. So drawing an X right creates four different quadrants the left-hand quadrant, and we will share like an example uh, photo of this on, on social media or provide links to it so people can look at them. But the left-hand quadrant of these symbols is just like a shorthand ID for whatever search and rescue group went in that checked the structure. The top was the date plus or minus the time when it was checked. The right-hand quadrant was any hazards noted in the house. And then the bottom was a number or a set of numbers to indicate the number of live or dead people found in the house. It was just really creepy <laughs> to see all of that. And like inevitably, you know, you pass by structures that like had numbers in that bottom quadrant, like indicating that they had found corpses inside. So it was just a weird thing. And it was actually really interesting looking, looking that up, like there was a whole some sort of like art slash exhibit or like, you know, some sort of photograph expedition or whatever that was like dedicated to, you know, showing a bunch of photos of these different X codes, which was interesting, like that. Yeah, for the people of New Orleans, it really became like, you know, this big symbol of what had happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, so it, I mean, it was just like generally unsettling to be there. But some facts about the storm, it made landfall in Louisiana. Um, it had previously made landfall in Florida, but the most significant effects were in the Gulf Coast. So Louisiana on August 29th, 2005, very early in the morning. Uh, and what I realized is that this means this episode will come out like just a couple days after the 17th anniversary. So yeah, weird timing, weird timing, something spooky. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was a category five storm because I think storms tend to gain strength as they like cross the warm water of the Gulf of Mexico that weekend. I think essentially immediately to a category three when it uh, made landfall on the Gulf Coast. Category three is associated with winds of about 125 miles per hour. So that's pretty serious. Yeah, it's crazy. It had up to a 30 foot so storm surge, which are basically just like it's like a huge swell of seawater being pushed landward at the leading edge of the storm. So you get a lot of flooding from that. At about 5 a.m. on the morning of August 29th, you get the first levee break, levee breaks starting to occur. And these happen in various places across the city of New Orleans and water pours into the city. By late afternoon that day, over 80% of the city is flooded in up to 10 to 15 feet of water. So this was like an incredible event. I can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it was really bad. Ultimately, there were over 1800 deaths and millions of people left homeless across Louisiana, Mississippi and Alabama. 
It is the costliest hurricane in U.S. history. I saw estimates of up to $161 billion in damage. I think another source is $125 billion, but like a lot of money either way. (laughs) Uh, It was the costliest natural disaster until the winter storm hit Texas in February of 2021, which caused $195 billion in damage. So, wow. Yeah. I guess that's a that's a competition you don't want to lose, but that's fact. Or, or win. <laughs> or win, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think you lose if you get the highest number. <laughs> um, a lot of people just like just left places like New Orleans for good. About a year after the storm, the city only had half of its population. And as of 2020, it had returned to just about 80% of its pre-Katrina population. So it's like, you know, tens of thousands of people, just like they left and they never came back. And it's like never quite recovered to the same population. So why was it so bad? You know, why was it such a terrible event? From an anecdotal standpoint, I, and again, like this might just be that like, It occurred at a time in my life when I was like old enough to really start paying attention to these things. And like the fact that my professor did this special lecture about it makes it stick in my brain. But I feel like it was like the first of sort of increasingly strong hurricane seasons that have like continued to happen in like the last, you know, decade and a half. And, you know, every year it's like, well, it's just getting worse because like climate change makes weather events more severe. So I, don't I mean, know. I would agree that I feel the same way. Yeah, I don't. I didn't even really remember exactly when it happened, but yeah. like, I would say that I don't really remember. Yeah, much I just know, like, since then there have point. been bigger storms, and there have been like it's just like every year it's like just more every and more year. and bad, yeah. worse hurricanes, and like they're like it's right. just gonna get worse. So anyway, so it's bad because it's a huge storm. So now we get to do some geology, which I'm excited about. <laughs> It's also bad for geology and geoengineering reasons, meaning like people trying to control natural geological processes and like ultimately not being able to. But where a river enters the ocean or some other large body of water, it dumps its sediment load. So like all that mud and stuff you see suspended in a river gets dumped out when it hits a large body of water and all that water slows down and it creates this fan-shaped landform called a delta. So like we've probably all heard the Mississippi Delta. So as sediment piles up in one area of the delta, it's natural for the river to shift and meander across it and like sort of continuously you know, move back and forth across this delta and and build it up. Like you're always replenishing that sediment. This means that flooding and swampiness is natural. But like, obviously, this is not an ideal scenario if you're trying to establish a port city there. Right. So what they did is put in levees and flood control walls around the river, the Mississippi River, to allow for permanent structures to be built. They added drainage systems to dry out swampy areas. But what this meant is that without that constant replenishment of sediment from the river and due to 
compression of underlying sediments as water got pumped out of the ground and things dried out, the city of New Orleans has actually been sinking to the point where uh, about 50% of it is actually below sea level. And like when the city was established by the French, I forget it was 17 or 1800s, but either way, few hundred years ago, it was like only just above sea level, but like at least like 10 to 15 feet above sea level. And now it's below. So it's like, it's, it's subsided quite a bit. <laughs> so added to that coastline features like barrier islands and swamps, which would typically slow down and distribute the water from storm surges have been built on or, you know, the swamps have been drained out. So like they can't serve this function that they naturally would. Mm -hmm. And the city becomes just like a ticking time bomb for the right storm to come along. And ultimately you can only geoengineer yourself so far and eventually it's not going to be enough. And levees are going to be going to break and like whatever you tried to do to stop this is like, you can't keep the whole ocean from coming in, you know? Yeah, right. Yes. So, like, that's why the city of New Orleans in particular got just effed. Added to this, FEMA and other, you know, government agencies, some say mishandled or they were just, like, not prepared for that level of disaster. So... Rescue efforts and cleanup were slow and inefficient to the point where people were just like stranded in these flooded areas. Like I, I remember like watching the helicopter footage of them just like repeatedly flying over and people were just like up on their roofs needing to be rescued. Yeah. And like stranded without food or water for days to the point where like people died just like waiting for somebody to come get them. People reported seeing bodies in the streets all the way into late October. So several months later, or a couple months later, I guess. So now, like, the spookier side of things, not just, like, the terrifying grim side of things. <laughs> New Orleans is, as you know, a city that has, like, really rich cultural history and a ton of stories. Like, they love their ghost stories and, you know, stories about vampires and other spooky things and everything. So there are definitely stories of new hauntings popping up from the events of Hurricane Katrina. One of these is of a woman named Vera Smith, who was killed on August 29th, 2005. So the day that Hurricane Katrina made landfall, clearly she was like in an area that wasn't immediately flooded. Mm -hmm. But she was killed by a drunk driver while walking outside of a restaurant called Charcoal's, which has now become a Dini seafood kitchen location. But because of the chaos from the storm authorities couldn't deal with it and her body ended up being left in the street for days which is awful eventually neighbors buried her in a makeshift grave nearby and luckily she's since been disinterred and her cremated remains were returned to her family who i think were in texas and i mean like all i have to say is like i get it (laughs) why yeah someone might like feel a little bit uneasy or like there have ended up being you know sort of spooky stories about you know that restaurant location because it's like that kind of thing leaves a mark on your brain (laughs) and as i mentioned before like i can attest from being in the city six or seven months after that like it I mean, it just felt like this like creepy liminal space because 
it was so quiet and empty compared to how it should be because people hadn't come back yet. And yeah, so it, it, yeah, it was spooky. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I can't imagine. So when, um, when the COVID lockdowns first hit was the same weekend that we moved Elliot out here and I drove through Chicago going back. And it was like, I think things locked down like that Tuesday or something. And I was driving back through Chicago that Saturday. And I remember how eerie and like just off it felt driving through Chicago and seeing all of like three other cars. So I can only imagine (laughs) how it felt to be, you know, there yeah. I mean, when, when you were there, but to like be somebody who lived there and to come back to it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Ugh. It was, it was significantly after when I was there and it was still sort of like, this is, this is weird <laughs> in some places. And yeah, we were just talking about that the other day, like, cause we were talking about Steven moving you guys or helping you guys move out there and just like remembering that Chicago roads were just empty. <laughs> It was so like not weird. a thing that happened. That is one of those things that will stick with me forever. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm like real tired of living through like events that will stick with me forever. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least disastrous. You better get events. excited about it because I'm sure there's another one coming. <laughs> Shut up, Paige. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. Now it's your turn to tell me about Storm. Yay! I'm excited. Now it's my turn. Well, yeah, mine is like equally grim, grim. but that's okay. But equal, I mean, yeah, equally grim. So (laughs) since this this is our 50th episode, I thought it would be a good idea to find like just like the biggest storm or like a list of the biggest storms that happened 50 years ago. Little did I know that 50 years ago was when the deadliest snowstorm in history hit. Uh, So after a four-year drought, a weeks-long blizzard hit Iran starting on February 3rd of 1972. And the blizzard was like apparently a total surprise to people. So Hmm. nobody was expecting it to come, or at least they weren't given much notice. Mm -hmm. And I do want to mention that for people who don't live somewhere where like blizzards are a possibility or like at least haven't been in the past uh people who like go through very heavy snowstorms just like throw the word blizzard around Mm -hmm. but there is a difference between like a blizzard and just like a heavy snowfall Mm -hmm. um so blizzards specifically have winds of up to 35 miles per hour they have to have visibility of less than a quarter mile and it has to be for at least three hours if any of those three things is untrue then it's not technically a blizzard so they lived with these conditions for a week and like i said with like what i according to what i read had pretty much no warning for it yikes yikes so virtually all of iran which is 63 or 631,000 square miles was covered in snow. Crazy. And at the height of the storm, it was predicted that an area the size of Wisconsin was entirely buried for more than a week. Jesus. Yeah. Terrifying. So some areas measured at depths of eight feet, but at the greatest depths, (sighs) it was measured around 26 feet of snow. 
and the temperatures were measured to be like negative 13 Fahrenheit. So it was like very chilly. And I mean, you have to imagine like people aren't prepared, so they don't really have, you know, the right amount of food for being locked in their houses for weeks at a time, a week at least at a time. So the death count was predicted. So I read 4,000 initially people had died. A couple places said that it was between four and 5,000. And I did see one place where it said it was 6,000 people. So somewhere between like mm-hmm. four and 6,000 people died from this blizzard. Uh, several villages were left with no survivors at all. Yikes. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And they're like, you know, basically like dug out these villages and just like just and found just no one. nobody or Ooh. like you know just like you know there were people but they were all dead yeah that gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah so to put that four to like that four thousand people into perspective the deadliest storm ever to hit the u.s was in the night was in 1900 which was the great galveston hurricane which accounted for about eight thousand deaths wow. um and that's apparently at least from what i found the only storm in u.s history that saw a higher or that had a higher death toll than this blizzard mm-hmm. uh the deadliest mm-hmm. winter storm in the u.s was in 1930 and there were apparently only I mean, only, but it's still 250 deaths. Yeah, 1913. Yeah, what right? did I say? You said 1930. Oh, 1913, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, there's a three in there somewhere. So It's fine. <laughs> as if that isn't heartbreaking enough, there was apparently a second blizzard that started to roll through on February 11th. So that initial storm ran until like the 8th. This one started just a couple days later. Um, and since rescuers were there and they were, you know, trying to find people, they were there, but they were unable to finish their searches. So Aww. army helicopters had come through and reportedly left bread and dates in the snow in hopes that people would be able to tunnel their way out and get to food. Oh gosh. Which is just like absolutely heartbreaking insane <laughs> yeah 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 i mean like yeah like a story a single story of a building i think is classified usually as like 10 feet so yeah i had read that <laughs> like almost like it'd be like your your house would be covered yeah. like up past your windows if you have like a your first story of your yeah, house they ha- i had read <laughs> that it was um it was like yeah two and a half stories worth of snow i just and just yeah. buried I don't know. Yeah. Which my toxic trait is like, give me that this winter. (laughs) You say that now. (laughs) We have the infrastructure. I'll get the warning. (laughs) Just bury me. (laughs) I'd be okay with like enough. Yeah. Well, like a good. You're right. I mean, I would be okay with a really, really heavy snowfall if a. I first got to replacing our furnace <laughs> and B, I had like plenty of notice so I could stock up for food. Then sure. Yeah. Fair then enough. like Lisa, bury Fair me enough. in snow. But those things have to be true first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that brings us to our final storm, which like, I mean, I guess you have to save the best for last. I don't know if this is the best 
But it is known as the perfect storm. It thinks it's the best. (laughs) Uh, And yes, this is like the movie slash the book that it's based on. Uh, The movie is so cheesy, but I don't care. I would watch it any day. I have never seen this movie. I have never read the book. That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) To be fair, like your brother hates this movie, which is dumb because (laughs) he will watch like any stupid storm show or storm movie or whatever. And it's like, this is the one that you don't like. Like it's about a giant storm. I don't understand. I think he's just being a turd. Sounds about right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's only like a 47% Rotten Tomatoes. Like for an action adventure movie, it's not bad. And it's got George Clooney in it. Anyway, great. So the perfect (laughs) storm is a huge storm that occurred in 1991 and hit the East Coast of the United States. And this like wasn't on my list originally to talk about, but when I realized that it is also called the Halloween storm, I was like, well, we have to talk about (laughs) it. Uh, The official name given to it by the Natural Disaster Survey report was the Halloween Nor'easter of 1991, which I love that like Nor'easter, like with that, with the TH of North cut out, is like an official storm term. Like it's just very, it's very New England. It's like, okay, we've got like the widow out in her balcony, like looking for her long lost (laughs) sailor or whatever, like waiting for him to return. Um, (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) I keep seeing the memes where it's like, why don't more men get lost at sea anymore? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the perfect storm. The perfect storm (laughs) formed when a low pressure system heading south from Nova Scotia formed an extra tropical cyclone, which like I did not know what that was at all. Yeah. Extra just means like outside of like cyclone that formed outside of the tropics. Like extraterrestrial means sure. like outside of Earth. But it is Earth. different okay. than a tropical storm. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you were confused about the term extraterrestrial. No, I was... Does it mean like it's more tropical? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. So I guess this isn't for Paige. This is for everyone else. Extratropical does not mean extra it's tropical. extra... More tropical. <laughs> it means... Outside I wish of the it meant it was extra tropical, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'll do this now because I looked it up. But like, so extra tropical cyclones are cold core storms. So their core is colder oh. than their surroundings, and the tropos- troposphere. troposphere, troposphere. Thank you. I was like, that's <laughs> not right. Um, and <laughs> hurricanes are like tropical cyclones are considered warm core storms so that's the difference between them i mean gotcha so like you still have a temperature differential between like the air and the storm versus the surrounding air but in the case of extra tropical cyclones it's colder on the inside hurricanes it's colder on the outside yes (laughs) yes something Something like like that. that in general terms we're not 
meteorologist. <laughs> yeah, this might be wrong, but this is what this is what I've gathered. Uh, we don't know. Great. Um, so anyway, so this extra tropical cyclone. It then absorbs a second storm, Hurricane Grace. So when these two systems, like, they basically clash, and it caused what was described as a meteorological explosion, causing 40 to 80-foot waves on October 30th. It then, on November 2nd, hits the Nova Scotia coast as a hurricane, which is apparently unusual for this type of storm, and I don't... (laughs) frankly don't understand why uh but like apparently they don't typically turn into hurricanes yeah well usually it's like the tail end of a hurricane making its way north like sometimes it makes it that far north but i think that's what's unusual is it like got it yeah absorbed the hurricane turned and then like one. turned gotcha. back into a hurricane and hit Nova Scotia. so when it hit the decision was made to like not name it as to not confuse the nearby or like the local residents. And I'm just like, I have a question about that because like the storm is hitting. So why do we like, who cares if we've named it as a hurricane? Yeah. I guess why would that be a confusing thing? I don't know. Name it. So I'm confused about why it's confusing. Or like they just didn't want to name it a new hurricane outside of Hurricane that's Grace since it's sort of possible. Like, but like that's not going to be confusing to other people. That's just like keeping meteorologists from being confused. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Unclear. I think I, I think I read a similar thing about it and was sort of like, well, that's weird. And then I just. <laughs> Yeah. So it's considered that like second part of the storm or the part that hit Nova Scotia as a hurricane is an unnamed hurricane. And it was, it's one of only eight hurricanes, at least at that time that had been unnamed. So cool, fun fact. There you go. In addition to being called the perfect storm and the Halloween storm, People also call it the no-name storm. So here's the thing. They tried to not name it, but it now has like five right. names. <laughs> the hurricane is not named, though. The storm is named. <laughs> so like maybe just, just give everything a name. So compared to our first two storms, this was like not even on the same planet in terms of loss of life because like most of the effects were offshore. But it did result in 13 deaths. The most famous ones are probably the six men that were killed on the fishing boat, the Andrea Gale, which is the focus of the book and movie The Perfect Storm. The Andrea Gale was a 72-foot sword fishing boat that was on its way back in with their catch. So like that's sad that they just get you know caught by the storm on their way back. According to the book's author, it was sunk by 100-foot waves, although buoys in the area of its last known location were only recording heights of 40 to 60 feet, although a 100-foot wave was recorded off the coast of Nova Scotia associated with this storm, which is bananas. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Like, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't want to see a wave that's as tall as I am. You know? <laughs> yeah, let alone, <laughs> let alone <laughs> over 10 times. Yeah, no thanks. 
Like, I just can't even imagine. Like, I think we've taught, like, I think, like, way back when we did the um, Roanoke episode, we were talking about, like, across the Atlantic Ocean journeys in, you know, old schooners or wooden boats or whatever the heck you call them. Just no. (laughs) (laughs) It's too scary. Anyway. So only a few pieces of wreckage were ever found. The boat itself and the crew were never recovered. But, I mean, they're in, like, thousands of feet of water. So it's just, like, they're just never going to find them. Uh, Apparently, though, the storm was big enough that it backed up weather patterns across the eastern half of the U.S., which I didn't really realize was a thing. But I guess, like, if you have sort of, like, a storm coming, like a little bit towards the eastern coast and then stuff mainly coming from the west, they would, you know, collide and and stop each other some. But uh, this caused the 1991 Halloween blizzard in the Midwest. Uh, Twin Cities in Minnesota got 28 inches of snow. (laughs) (laughs) And there was apparently significant ice accumulation as far south as Omaha, Nebraska. And this actually resulted, the snow and the ice storm resulted in 22 deaths in the Midwest. So, yeah. So, ultimately, some some extra added to the death toll of this episode. (laughs) Of this episode. Do you think this is our highest death toll for an episode? That's a great it question. It might be. No, because we've talked about volcanoes. Did I talk about... It's It's got to be like second, first or second place, though. It can't be... I don't think Pompeii was as many... Because you said like 8,000 for that Texas hurricane yeah. in 1900. I don't think we've talked about... This might be our highest death toll episode. I mean that's that's fiftieth episode worthy. <laughs> this might be sort of fucked up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the people dying. Just <laughs> shut up, Paige. Um, okay. Well, if you think that we've recorded an episode with a higher death toll you should let us know because i'm curious now i i don't remember what other i'm sure i don't know no no we have what is it it's not because we talked about uh tsunamis did did we from one of the like briefly from one of the volcanoes in indonesia and that was like tens of thousands of people all at once it's close though so we're it's like number two it's number two. <laughs> Great. We, we did that. Paige is like, I am uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 and I'm just apparently in a really weird mood. Um, yeah. So anyway, that is all I have to say about spooky storms. I just, I really love thunderstorms and Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to do another one that's like like uh, tornadoes, or or we could do like yeah. midwestern storms, or <laughs> AKA tornadoes, <laughs> AKA tornadoes, <laughs> with the occasional derecho thrown. <laughs> maybe a nice storm or two. <laughs> I don't know. We're maybe we'll just do another one someday. That's all I got. Great. Good. 
All right. Well, that wraps up episode 50 on Spooky Storms. Tune in for episode 51 on the disappearance of the Eileen Moore Lighthouse Keepers. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on TikTok at Spooky Science, Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookySciencesisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.